Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 136. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. A happy Memorial Day to everybody celebrating out there. A lot of people off work with their cookouts and hopefully listening to a little bit of Pittsburgh Steelers talk along the way. Dave, how you doing? Doing good on this uh, Memorial Day Monday. What do you got? Uh, you got anything special planned food wise today or just same old, same old? Yeah, maybe go to the folks house for a little short cookout. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the Steelers do. If they keep us busy. Still got that one roster spot open. You're kind of thinking maybe you get a signing today for that second week of OTAs, but they're still sitting at 89. Yeah, they are, and we still don't have a uniform number on Marcus Golden as of this morning. Kind of wondering if he's going to try to buy 44 for from uh, Tanner Muse and get Tanner Muse maybe to switch. Uh, what would he go to? Like 54, I think, possibly. I think that's an open uh, number. So anyway, going to be interesting. We got a uh, week uh, ahead of the second OTA practices for the Steelers that gets underway what Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday so we should have a lot more news uh, coming this week but uh, I think we've got a little bit of sort of quasi news to to discuss with uh, Le'Veon Bell being on 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 the Steel Here uh, podcast a couple of days and and that obviously created uh, quite a few talking points didn't it? It did. He kept us pretty busy. And just one quick programming note, Dave and I will be doing our uh, biweekly Steelers live stream on my YouTube channel tonight, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. May cut it a little bit short based on turnout. Everybody obviously trying to enjoy the uh, the Monday off, but we will have that tonight for you guys. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell joining the Steel Here podcast and a lot of interesting things to, just to say. It was like a 90-minute interview. Bell talked for the majority of that time. Kind of felt like a little mini therapy session for him. I think the headline story that's grabbing most of the, you know, local media, national media is that Bell admitted, revealed that he would smoke weed often before Steelers games. And, um, you know, he's not the first player to admit this kind of stuff. Josh Borden did. Derek Wolf for the Broncos and Ravens said he would microdose on mushrooms. And so I think in, in 2023, it's less of a clutch or pearl shock thing uh, compared to maybe where it was five, seven years ago. Not the word necessarily condoning it, but that is kind of the maybe the big revelation that that Bell had to make. Yeah, the, these many years later, uh, I mean, I don't think it's it's shocking by any any stretch of the imagination. But uh, obviously, with uh, uh, kind of you know what what are the exact rules on that now? I mean the the marijuana policy has been relaxed pretty substantially. That was part of the bargaining agreement in 2020 with a new CBA basically that got relaxed so the owners could get a 17th game to play. I don't believe you can really get suspended for it. I'm not even sure if you get put in the substance abuse program if you if they even test for it, but but my understanding is not exact, but obviously it's very much relaxed and you're you're not going to get basically in trouble for smoking weed. Yeah. Uh I mean, I don't know what he accomplished by admitting that, but I mean, he got, got it off his chest and, you know, all, all, you know, all that like that. And, you know, obviously it was a big story at the time with, with, uh, with him getting what pulled over with, uh, uh, with LeGarrette Blunt back then, I think, uh, uh, at the time. And obviously it was a real newsy story at the time, but I, you know, my biggest takeaway was, uh, from, 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 from all that was said and that was, you know, he, 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 at this point kind of regrets not, or does regret, you know, uh, being such a stickler for the guaranteed money. And boy, remember all the articles. That <laughs> so I, that, many that, that, that I wrote at that time at what that contract, what the best contract offer, uh, over those, probably those, those, uh, over those back-to-back years probably looked like. And, and, you know, I, how I pretty much guaranteed that the Steelers weren't going to guarantee more than that first year uh, money with him, which at the time, though, I think was uh, 
what did we determine or, or, and what eventually came out? Something like the first year was going to pay him around what? $20 million total. I think between signing bonus and, and, and first year base salary and all like that. And uh, obviously that would have been the only thing guaranteed at the time. But uh, I, I remember writing several uh, uh, in several different posts at the time that, you know, the Steelers have a, had a had and have a great history of you know paying out you know not only you know large percentages of those high dollar contracts but really about what nine times out of ten paying out the full contract value uh over the length of it barring any anything substantial happening like an injury or a suspension or or anything like that so you know uh, even though it was only guaranteed the first year money at the time, the chances of, of Le'Veon Bell playing out that entire deal, uh, especially from the first time that he was franchise tagged, was was probably going to be, you know, a high percentage of that. And, you know, obviously it turned into back to back franchise tags and him playing underneath the first one and not playing underneath uh, the second one and then going to the Jets. And, and we all saw, you know, how how that turned out for him. Now, it was a nice, quick, uh, guaranteed money, you know, grab for him uh, initially. But, you know, he was out the door quickly. And then really not too long after that, you know, he was you know, out of football for, for lack of a better word, signing those minimum value, uh, minimum or veteran benefit deals and all like that. So, uh, I think if he, you know, he, it made it sound like if he had to do it all over again, he probably would have taken the Steelers best offer and, 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 and gone from there. Sure. I think that was really interesting to see him detail, everything that happened contractually and his decision to sit out, his decision to leave. And he basically said, you know, I had a really good coach in Michigan state. I loved Mike Tomlin. He had really honest upfront guys. And I was conditioned to think that every coach was like that. And so whenever he left for the jets, he just thought it'd be the same thing. Adam Gase gets there. It did not go well. It was not the same thing. Bell, like so many players unhappy with the job that Adam Gase did. And he was quickly fired. I thought it was interesting when Bell talked about what Pittsburgh's offer was, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here from trying to think back to a couple of days ago, but you know, Pittsburgh sent them an offer on that first franchise tag. Bell declined it. They tag him. He plays. The next offseason, the tag goes up, but Pittsburgh sends him the exact same offer. I think it was, you know, 13.3 million per year or something to that effect. And so interesting. Maybe that's another reason why Bell sat out. That, that second time because Pittsburgh never bumped up their offer. Yeah. Well, there's a whole, I, I, I can, I can see, you know, tracking this as long as I have, I can see both sides of it, especially going all the way back then where sure. uh, it was quarterbacks uh, only getting the guarantees, you know, Roethlisberger specifically getting the guarantees uh, past the first year. Uh, now, obviously, since then, we've had the guys like, you know, TJ Watt and, and Mika Fitzpatrick be top of the market uh, players. And and you knew at some point that that particular wall was going to come down, uh, especially for top top of the market at, at their position players. And at the time, technically, I guess what Le'Veon Bell was top of the market player. But uh, they, they, you know, uh, it was way too early for them. You know, they, they were still going to hold firm with their stance on, you know, everybody but the quarterback you know, is going to have to be fine with first year money. Now, uh, the aspect of uh, I can see Bell's side of, of that because he ended up playing underneath the, the franchise tag that first year. So uh, technically, when you applied that, what is it, the 120 percent rule uh, on on back to back years? You can understand, and then obviously, in you know, a year's inflation, you can understand why he probably expected the offer to go up a little bit more per year. But even right, so, above the tag, the, the right. offer stayed and it was below the second tag figure, right? Uh, and you know, still that second that that second offer after the second franchise tag wasn't going to wasn't going to include guaranteed money 
past the first year, I wouldn't think. I don't, I don't sure. know if he said that specifically there, but uh, uh, I guess the Steelers' view of it was, well, look, you know, we we offered you this uh, deal, and we're you know take take it or leave it. Still, so you know, I, I guess you could slap the hands of both of them, right? I mean, to a degree, obviously, because the deal didn't get done. I'm not trying to be hypercritical of necessarily either side. I mean, I think I understood Bell's position, and I think we can all look back in hindsight, it's always 2020. And from Pittsburgh's point of view, they probably said, well, the market didn't change, and we're kind of in a unique situation tagging a guy back-to-back years, so we're not going to keep uh, you know, raising against ourselves here, and we're just going to give you the same offer we gave you last time. But yeah, you do wonder. I mean, essentially, the reason why Bell left, and I don't think it was a shock at the time, but just to hear it now is that it was over the guaranteed structure and Pittsburgh not guaranteeing anything past the first year the Jets did, and that's why he left for New York. So that is the the simple one-sentence answer of why Bell went to New York. Do you think he would have played out his contract? I mean, it's it's one of those, we don't like to deal with a lot of hypotheticals, but it does make you wonder, uh, had he, let's say he, that that first time he was tagged, had he, had he taken that deal, do you feel pretty good about his chances of playing out that entire deal? It would have been a four-year contract. Oh, would that have been the number? Because he signed four I, years with New York, I believe. I think... I'm I'm having problems. I I wrote about it. So I it more than likely was going to be a, a a what was the first year of the franchise of of the tag with him seventeen seventeen. Uh, 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, I view it as probably being a contract running seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty through through two thousand twenty one. So five years in total. Okay. Because that's the longest that you could stretch out the signing bonus and all, you know, so it would have made sense that that would have been a five year in total. Now, you know, after the first year, did they lower it to just a four year? I I still think it probably would have been another five, you know, another four Mm -hmm. years on top of the franchise. I think Bell said it was the same exact contract the second offseason. So it it would have been five five years in total, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get to year five. I'll put it this way, because the Jets were guaranteeing the first three years. Is that what Bell said? Do you remember? No, not off the top of my head. I, 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 I want to say it was the first three. Bell would have gotten that far in Pittsburgh. And so from there, in year four, you're on non-guaranteed in New York and in Pittsburgh. So would have Bell made it to year five, given the running back position, given Pittsburgh was more than happy to run this guy into the ground as a true, rare, workhorse type of back? Who knows? But all I think about with that, and I think Bell thinks about that, Steeler fans think about that, is what if he had stayed in Pittsburgh, what that career would have looked like. I don't think it's a stretch to say that, assuming he stayed relatively healthy in Pittsburgh and re-upped, he would have been on a Hall of Fame track had he stayed in Pittsburgh and not bolted to New York. Well, even though you know, those first couple of years he was on that track, or track right? At least with right. I remember writing about him compared to I think it was Eddie George or something uh, at the time, and he certainly was. You know, he obviously was good out of the backfield and and all like that. And as far as an all-purpose uh, running back goes, he he had a nice pace at that point for sure. So, and once again, had he stayed healthy, uh, and they were able to keep that line together a couple more years, right? So, uh, it, it does make you wonder, I mean, uh, now would, would he have been thrown on the pile after the fifth year? I mean, it's quite, quite possible. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you have like four good years from 2017 through 2020, whatever it is, I mean, if you can make, you know, three pro bowls and three all pro teams or something like that, I mean, you're going to be in that conversation. I mean, how, how, you know, in the old days, it seemed like running backs would, would play for 10, 12 years, the great ones. Right. Sure. Uh, but nowadays I, I, I kind of wonder now moving forward, how, what's it, what this, you know, past the Adrian Peterson's and past, uh, who's another, uh, Frank, Frank Gore. Gore yeah. <laughs> His like son was about to play with him in the NFL. Right. Uh, you know, what what does this do to to running backs the future of running backs now 
in the NFL as it relates to the Hall of Fame conversation. I mean, we can both probably agree at this point. I mean, uh, Le'Veon Bell's probably not going to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? No, he has no chance. Okay. Uh, who are some of the more recent running backs, say, from from the, the time that Bell entered the league till now that we're going to be potentially talking about as Hall of Famers? And, and how many years will they have to play in the NFL to do that? Because it has, I mean, we talk about the fungibility of the position nowadays and all like that. I mean, it, it seems like these, 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 these backs come into the league and then they're, you know, obviously you still got Derrick Henry's around mm-hmm. right now. Uh, but, you know, these guys just don't last as long. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the names, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, you could talk about Nick Chubb if he continues his career arc. I, I think what happens is, teams just start to assume even before a player breaks down that they're going to break down. And so they don't give the second contract and the player just kind of begins his journeyman phase of his career where he just kind of bounces from team to team. So yeah, I, I don't know if our lens in terms of who is a hall of famer may change because these guys might be playing fewer years. They're seeing less time committees are more common. So the, the volume stats aren't there like they used to be at 300 plus carries consistently. So I don't know how it's going to look, but it certainly has, has shifted. Boy, remember how Todd Gurley came onto the scene too, and then boom, you know, it seemed right. to be be gone in a month. And I'm trying to think, think now. I mean, who 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 even in today's NFL, who are some of the longest tenured running backs in the league? I mean, Derrick Henry's got to be up there, right? Yeah, I can pull up who has the most career carries of, of running backs right now. Henry's one of them. Um, but yeah, you don't necessarily I mean, have that shelf life anymore. And, and really, back back to kind of your point that that you made had he had he signed and stayed with the Steelers and stayed relatively healthy, he would he would be up there in today's lens of running back production, and thus probably, you know, I I don't know how it would have been compared by the voters with today's running back versus yesteryear's running back, but. I, I I I think it's you know fair or plausible to think that maybe he would have had a chance at the Hall of Fame. I think so. I mean, the numbers he was putting up. I was do, I'm doing research last night for a future article, and I mean, in Bell's second year, he had a top 25 season in NFL history in yards from scrimmage. I mean, just absurd numbers that you know you just don't see from guys, especially that early in their career. In terms of running backs with the most uh, carries that are active or at least semi-active in the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott is number one, a free agent right now. Mark Ingram's career, did he retire? I mean, he's basically retired. He's two, Derrick Henry, three, Melvin Gordon, four, Latavius Murray, five, Joe Mixon, six, Dalvin Cook, seven, Nick Chubb, eight. And so, you know, who's the Hall of Famer from from that list? Derrick Henry, does it feel like Derrick Derek Henry is a Hall of Famer? I, yeah, I don't. I always ask myself, you know, do I get that initial yes feeling when someone says a guy's name? And I don't know if I get that with Derrick Henry, but obviously he's still, you know, playing and can add to his numbers. Right. Uh, it's an yeah. It's a, it's an interesting boy. It feels like. Two two thousand and sixteen or seventeen, it, it doesn't seem that long ago when you do the math. But now, with the way kind of running backs and the fungibility of Mar, it does it it it, it does almost feel like it, it's been a decade ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's why Bell would have had even better odds to make it because his competition wouldn't have been all that competitive when it comes to comparing him to other running backs of his era to the point that you made a couple minutes ago. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And, you know, kind of looking uh, ahead here, I mean, what, what does this do? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see the market of, of, of the running back moving forward here, specifically with, with Najee Harris, because we, uh, I wrote about that, you know, I think earlier in the offseason that this past or a shorter, uh, around this same time, uh, this, around this same time next year, the Steelers would have already have had to make the decision on whether or not to pick up uh, the fifth year option on Najee Harris. And then at that point, uh, exactly one year from now, 
I guess we'll be talking about whether or not Najee will get an extension, right? Right. I know we had this discussion a couple weeks ago, but I forget what you had said. Do you believe Harris gets that fifth year option picked up? I think if he if he has the kind of year that we this offense better have when it when it comes to playing the bully ball and all like that, and assuming he stays healthy, uh, yes, I do believe that they will pick up the fifth year option. However, comma when you get into the uh, extension talk, because the fifth year option would technically be for the two thousand and 25 season right mm-hmm. so you know i i guess what i'm let's see uh he's entering his third year right now uh so he would play that yeah i mean i i mean i i'm not sure if he would get the extension a year from now or not let me ask you this just to focus on the fifth year option what would have to happen for him to not get it picked up by Pittsburgh. That might be a, a better way to frame it. Well, injury, obviously, sure. yeah. uh, uh, beyond that, it would just have to be a really pedestrian. Uh, let's say he plays 15 games and, 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 you know, uh, just averages the 3.2 or 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, it, it would have to be a mighty pedestrian year, I think. Okay, fair enough. I'm with you, basically. I think right now he's in position to have it picked up, but, you know, it, it's not – don't write that in pen quite yet. Yeah, look, uh, he, you know, if he stays on the field uh, for, for for 15 to 17 games, I think you got to like his chances uh, overall. But uh, anything less than, than that, I, I think you really have to look at the current – you know, look look at it. Uh, uh, I, I don't think it's guaranteed. In other words, I wouldn't bet my house on it right mm-hmm. now. I like his chances. Now, as far as an extension past that, I mean, I think it all depends on the kind of season that he has. Sure. I think that that's a very fair point. Back to Bell. He made the comment that he hopes to retire as a Steeler whenever that day comes. He's not officially announced his retirement from the NFL. Kind of made a joke about, I want to get back in a game. And he was kind of more just tongue-in-cheek preseason stuff. I don't think it was a serious conversation that he wants to be a running back in a regular season contest with the Pittsburgh Steelers again. And I don't think Pittsburgh has a particular desire to add him, even if he really wanted to. But to the idea of the whole ceremony, one day, you know, sign a contract, retire thing. A, how do you feel about that, Dave? Are you open to that? And B, you think Steelers Nation at large would be welcome to that idea? Would they invite him in to retire a Steeler? Well, look, I, I think I, I think the byproduct of this most recent interview that he did has people coming back over. Time heals all wounds, right? Sure. Generally, you know, uh, and I think at this point, people have forgotten a lot of the stupid stuff, you know. So I think he the byproduct of this interview has him more in a favorable reminiscent, uh, nostalgic, uh, because those are some great years, right? I mean, those are some years, uh, with the killer bees and all where more than anything at this point, when you look back at, 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 at that time, you're thinking how the hell did this team not win a Super Bowl? You I know, know right? You know, I, I, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway right now today, you know, uh, all these, you know, these four or five days after this interview now, I think that's the global takeaway right now, especially with AB and all the nonsense that continues on with him. And, and by the way, good, good thing I didn't buy that pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be disappointed. A little no-show. Uh but I, I, I think the global kind of sentiment right now on the heels of that interview with Bell is that how the hell didn't that team win a win a Super Bowl? Uh, secondary to that, I think people are like, you know, uh, kind of glad to hear Bell say, "Man, I wish you know this. I wish I would have taken." taking the offer, you know, the grass isn't the blah, 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 grass isn't greener on the other side and all like that. I think we are still, however, a few years away from 
there being a, a higher percentage of us acceptance of, oh yeah, bring them back in. Let's have the Heinz Ward ceremony or, mm-hmm. or, or, or insert, you know, the James, cause even yeah. James Harrison left. Right. And, and, right. and, 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 and came back. But, uh, I, I think we're a few years away from that. So, so I guess what I'm saying is if, if bell, you know, go, goes on and does this thing with the boxing and all like that, maybe does, one or two more of these similar style interviews of saying, yeah, I should have, yeah, I wish we would have stayed and all like that. I, I think we could be looking at, at, at the plausibility of a seeing kind of that ceremony in Pittsburgh. I don't know if, I don't know if I don't know if the Steelers are ready for it right now. And I don't know if the fan base at a larger percentage is ready for that. But I don't, I don't think he heard his cause by doing this interview. Does that I'm make with sense? You. It, it does. I think Pittsburgh would be open to it as an organization. I think Mike Tomlin would, I, I, I don't hold a grudge against bell. I never really did in the first place. I think he made a mistake. I think he was making bad financial decisions. I think he was kind of chasing some of that money and, and not necessarily looking at the, the longer road, the bigger picture, but the way that I framed it to somebody was, you know, when Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown exited on one of those many bridges, bridges out of Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell left a couple of potholes and they can be repaired. They won't because potholes don't get repaired in Pittsburgh, but they can be repaired. <laughs> Antonio Brown burned the whole bridge down. And that so became a two, sinkhole. <laughs> yeah, that the bus fell in in Pittsburgh, if anyone gets that reference from a couple of years ago. So. Two different things. I Bell, like, what's the worst thing that Bell did? I mean, he got suspended a couple of times. They were some probably immature, some some poor decisions, but they weren't just the bombs that AB was throwing at the organization, at at Mr. Rooney, at the whole whole team. And and you don't have all this craziness that has followed Bell. I mean, it's you know since his NFL career has essentially ended. I mean, he's done his boxing thing, but he's not done anything that's drawn really a, a, a negative headline the way that Antonio Brown repeatedly and continues to have. So. I think it can be forgiven. I think the fan base, it's going to be more mixed. There'll be some guys that just don't like Bell. It's not going to be this hatred. They just don't really want to see him in, in Pittsburgh again. But I think with time, another year or two, I think most fans would be accepting of that and um, would, would probably appreciate Bell. You know, hey, I want to come back and just want to thank you guys for my time in Pittsburgh because it was a really great couple of years. Yeah, and especially if the if the press conference is kind of that fifteen minute variety of short and sweet and yeah, you know, praise of the organization and and you know, I wish I wouldn't have left and you know, uh, uh, his global message uh, being uh, or the byproduct of that being the grass isn't always greener on the other side and and you know all that kind of stuff. Then I mean, I I, I can visualize that press conference happening. I just don't think it's going to be in a year or two. Cut cut. Kind of thing there. Uh, look, you know, uh, uh, Bell still has me blocked on Twitter because I mean, I was I was very upfront, and and it was no, it was it was nothing against him overall. It was just you know, my job is to look at at this stuff and analyze it, and uh, especially con- contractually and all. And I, you know, uh, at the time, I think he was asking what fifteen million dollars. Uh, per year, new money average. And I, in so many words, I wrote that he wasn't going to get that from the Steelers and he definitely wasn't going to get guaranteed money uh, past the first year. Mm-hmm. And he, and he didn't uh, on, on either accord. I wasn't trying to be, uh, it, it wasn't anything aimed at him. It, it was, it was just analyzing the situation and, you know, I was right about it. Now, where I was wrong on on, on the whole Le'Veon Bell thing there was after after he uh, played underneath the franchise tag the first year and then got tagged again. I was I was pretty certain that he w- was going to learn his lesson and that he would have accepted the Steelers' best deal the second time around by the. Be, because the deadline was like the is at once you tag the player is like the middle of July, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, if you don't take it, you have to play underneath the tag. At, at, you know, at, at, at that point moving forward, there I was pretty sure after he was tagged the second time, and the closer we got to that middle of July deadline, I was fairly certain that he would have, you know, wised up and taken the deal at that point. 
Well, obviously he didn't, and then he then he sat out. And we you know we know how things transpired there. But you know everything that I wrote at that time uh, was was more analysis, and it wasn't aimed at him, the person overall. But obviously they they athletes see that as an attack, right? Mm-hmm, you know? Sure. And uh, look, I mean, I, I I praised that kid out of the shoot, you know, and ran wrote. You know, uh, uh, before he got into the whole contract situation, you know, uh, uh, quite a few articles, like, like we said, that this guy's on a hall of fame pace and all like that. So, uh, it's just on, you know, once again, I think I go back to after, you know, hearing that interview the other day and all, and all like that, I, you know, my main takeaway and probably several listening to this podcast as well, too, is, you know, how the hell did, uh, you know, and obviously there were injuries in there and he talked about that and the whole perfect thing. And, right. and, 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 you know, obviously you go back to that, uh, that year that they ended up having to play the Patriots in the AFC championship game and, you know, not having bell for that. And man, they were down. You go back and you look at the, the active roster for that game with the, uh, uh, who is the wide receiver? Kobe uh, Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Catching yeah. Like a late touchdown pass. Or yeah. Something. And, you're, yep. and, you're, and, and at the time you had yourself believing that this team had a chance, but I mean, they were down too many pieces at that time. And there was just no, mm-hmm. uh, against Tom Brady and company. And there was just no way they were going to win that game. But, but I, you know, I think once again, my, my, my overall takeaway was, man, that team, if they if, had they been able to stay healthy, it makes you wonder what, why they didn't win a win a win a Super Bowl. Yeah, their success was disappointing because of the talent they had, but there were a bunch of injuries in the playoffs. I think didn't AB get a concussion, and I think Ben was probably beat up at some point, and Bell, you know, repeatedly had a couple late in uh, late season or you know postseason type injuries that I think hamstrung this team. But yeah, you certainly. It's a bunch of what ifs with with all those guys. It it sort of feels like what if AB hadn't gone off the rail? What if Le'Veon Bell would have stayed? You know, could you have you know really made it? Had you had you just put together one year where everything went right, you got lucky health wise. Could you have made a run? I think this team certainly could have. The only thing I can't figure out from Bell's side is I still don't really understand why he sat out the entire 2018 season. I, I was at just you know him kind of sticking it to the Steelers. I mean, you turn down you know. 14 million on a tag to sit out. I know there's the whole preserve your body, not risk the injury aspect. I don't know if I got an explanation of really why he decided to actually sit out the entire season. Yeah. I think he was looking at it along with a Bakari, his agent at the time was more of uh uh, well, we've got money in the bank at this point because they had played underneath the franchise tag the previous year. And, uh, you know, is it worth it that, that if I got injured, all of it goes to, to crap, you know, at, at, at that point. So we risk a lot of future money at that point. Whereas if we just sit out, we're probably going to get paid anyway. Yeah. I mean, he could have made that and, same and, calculation and, in 2017 though, but he played under the tag that year. I guess he just didn't want to do it again. Right. Right. So fair enough. Anyway, and, and I know we're talking about Le'Veon Bell a lot here, but right. hey, there's really not much else to talk about on this Monday. If there was, I promise you, we'd be leading off with it. Well, but look, other- I, I think it was a great interview overall. Yeah. I think it was a good podcast. I, I think the timing of it was 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 perfect and all with the NFL news cycle and all like that. And uh, I thought there were some very interesting stories of it. I, you know, I, uh, uh, I, I. Like probably most li- listening to this right now at this point, you probably came away with that with with a uh, uh, with, with Le'Veon Bell being in a lot more favorable light than he was going into the interview. On top of it, uh, and now he's probably going to have a little bit of support when it comes to his boxing career and about a, a, a potential future of him retiring as a Steeler and that kind of thing. So uh, uh, from from a PR standpoint, especially his own. I I think he did a good job. Yeah, I think so, too. And it did seem like he felt a bit better, maybe a bit of a weight off his shoulders because he's never really sat down. He's had a couple interviews, but it's never really talked to this level of depth about his time in Pittsburgh, his NFL career. So maybe that makes him sleep a little bit better at night as well. Right, right. So uh, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. And, 
you know, once again, I, I, I can envision that day of maybe him having that retirement press conference. I, I, I just think I'll be surprised if it happens, let's say, within the next couple of years. Fair enough. And I would welcome it because we're not throwing a parade for the guy. It's a 15 minute press conference. He signs his contract. They take a couple of photos with Tomlin and then, you know, they do a social media thing and he leaves. So, right. you know, it's not going to be the, this kind of big thing that even if you hate leaving on Bell, it's not going to interrupt your day too much. I promise. One piece of Steelers news that did come across this weekend and it's just a tryout. So it's not an official signing despite that one open roster spot remaining for Pittsburgh right now. But according to the XFL, long snapper Antonio Ortiz is going to have a tryout for Pittsburgh here. I, I assume maybe maybe today, maybe tomorrow, uh, sometime soon. And so that's a, a long snapper who played with the XFL, the Arlington Renegades. He had bounced around um, in Chicago, in Dallas. And so we'll see if this team adds a, a long snapper to their roster. Is that going to be uh, number 90? I, it, it could be if they want a second, you know, true snapper. They usually don't carry two true snappers. Usually their backup kind of emergency snapper is a position player. But some of the guys they've had in recent years are no longer with the team. You go back to Vance McDonald. He was once the emergency snapper. John LeGlue, Derek Watt was the snapper last year. He's still a free agent. And, you know, I, I was at times kind of critical of Christian Kuntz this past year because I think he, you know, didn't have that great of a year. I know it's kind of hard to judge long snappers. There weren't any botched snaps, but just, you know, I thought there were some high snaps on, on field goals. So maybe this team wants to look for a little bit of competition. Yeah. I don't think we're, I don't think Koontz is at the level of uh, uh, a nine, 10 year player like Warren and uh, who was, who was a, a Mike Schneck. Yeah. Schneck. I mean, where it just seemed like, uh, every given off season, those guys were going to sign veteran benefit contracts or, or two year extensions or something like, like that. I, you know, I don't think he, I don't think Koontz has done enough to be at that level. Uh, so, you know, uh, I would not, I guess what I'm getting as I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they brought in competition for Koontz. Right. So we'll keep an eye on that again. Just it, it, it was just weird the way the XFL initially framed it was that he was invited to camp, which is not a thing. There's no invites to camp. Rookie mini camp is over, but it's apparently going to be a tryout and we'll take it from there. Right. So we'll have to see what happens come Tuesday at whatever time they hit the practice field. I mean, they got to fill up this extra roster spot soon, you would think. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, they're I mean, they're sitting one short right now. You know, you have 90. Use all 90. Right. Exactly. Uh, as of right now, number 89 is Cody. How do you say the last name? Crushed? Uh, Trust. Trust. Cody Trust from Sam Houston State. Uh, he was signed last week. I did the scouting report on Trust over the weekend. And he's like a very, very poor man's George Pickens in this height, weight, speed, vertical Z receiver. Good tracking, good hands, can win jump ball. Um, he's got a little bit of kind of little man athleticism. I, I don't see the freakiness in the way that he tested running a four, three, nine. I don't, I don't see that long speed. I don't see the yak uh, ability. I don't see a lot of separation. He's a guy that's like that true and blue Z type that will go up and get the ball. He doesn't high point the ball the way that George Pickens does Pickens does, but he does track it. Well, he can win contested. He's a pretty physical guy. And so that's the type of player this team is getting in Cody trust. All right. So we'll see how long he sticks now. Yeah, uh, probably, you know, to make the 53 is going to be very, very tough to do practice squad at best. And even then he's going to have probably some some sizable competition. Dave, one other quick thing, too, that we have to mention, kind of maybe the biggest news that directly relates in a sense to the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend was uh, it's the old adage of, dude, where's my car? Where's the pickets? <laughs> where's it? Someone has a really funny uh, Photoshop of of the new movie with Pickett on there. So credit to whoever made that. But yeah, that Kenny was, that Pickett, was been Stonian. Oh, is that who did that? Okay, yeah. that, that makes sense. That tracks. I, I just saw it floating around, but they they do great work. So that makes sense. They're the uh, originators of that. But yeah, Kenny Pickett apparently doing a radio interview and his Hyundai Genesis was stolen. And funny enough, the uh, dealership he was at is like a mile, like two miles from my house. It's real close. And so I go past it all the time. So uh, yeah, his car was stolen with a playbook inside it. Uh, police recovered the car. I believe they recovered the playbook as well. Um, so yeah, Kenny Pickett, uh, that's, uh, that's a heck of a week. You know, uh, way back when uh, when I lived uh, uh, down in Florida and all, and obviously one of the closer teams there was uh, the New Orleans Saints. And it's uh, back when 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 the Saints weren't very good. The old uh, uh, the old the old uh, joke was if you go to New Orleans for a Saints game, you don't feel like uh, uh, going to the game. Uh, don't put your 
don't put your pair of tickets on on, on underneath the windshield wiper of your car uh, because when you come back, there'll be six others <laughs> uh, in there. Uh, and I say that because uh, 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 the playbook being in there, surprise, uh, they didn't recover that and find Randy Feetner's playbook in there along with. <laughs> well, good news is the suspect didn't find the playbook because it's so small. They couldn't, they couldn't actually see it in there. So that was good. Oh, there are a couple of funny jokes floating around. Uh, over there, you had to think. Uh, uh, at first, he thought somebody's playing a joke on him, right? I mean, right. I, I, I can't wait to hear the next interview with him uh, when he's asked about that because he's probably going to think. And you know, he does kind of have that dude, "Where's my car?" <laughs> uh, 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 kind of personality as well, too. So he probably was like, "Dude, where's my car?" And probably <laughs> thought one of his uh, one of his pit brothers or something somebody uh uh did something with it but uh i guess uh you know all, all's well that 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 ends well I, I uh i don't think the car was at least from from what i've gathered wasn't damaged or anything like that and you know got the playbook back so it's just it becomes a story uh to tell but it it, it will be interesting to hear uh the next time he does get in in in, in an interview what kind of his initial reaction? I, I I'm willing to bet he thinks somebody was playing a joke on him, but uh, it ended sure. up being no 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 joking matter. Yeah, they did catch the suspect. He's arrested. I just have two questions. Hey, how does this guy manage to steal Kenny Pickett's car in a dealership with presumably a lot of people around? I mean, I don't know where his car was at. And then two, was it was it an actual playbook? Because usually they're on iPads these days. They're just electronic. So do you think it was an actual paper playbook or do you think it was his iPad in there? It sounded like it was a paper playbook, but that, that's pretty old school. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I guess we don't know the specifics to on that. I, I would think that would probably be locked in, in some way form, but uh, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was a folder or binder or something like that. I, I, I don't I, I just don't know on that. So Yeah, uh, and I only say that because if it was an iPad, it's probably harder to actually access, although it seems like the suspect did not care that it was did not know, did not care it was Kenny Pickett's card and it could care less about the playbook. But if it was a if it was electronic, then it's probably gonna be harder to obviously look at and, and, and see than if it was an actual paper playbook sitting back there. And and what was the type of car? It was a Hyundai Genesis. Yeah, not that the car I thought Kenny Pickett would drive, but that is a, a reasonable car. He's not splurging on something crazy. Uh, Kenny Pickett, man of the people, right? Something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, crazy story there. One last thing to note here, Dave, Mike Bunchak was speaking on the fan last Thursday. I believe they have the um, the football camp they have every year in Pittsburgh. And so he does kind of an annual interview with uh, those guys in Pittsburgh and nothing earth shattering. But Munchak did confirm, hey, I still want to coach in the NFL. He's been out of the league all last year, said he took care of some Health-related stuff, got a, a knee replacement or two, and he's feeling good right now and wants to get back into coaching. Will that be in Pittsburgh? I mean, he had nice things to say about Pat Meyer, the Steelers offensive line coach. And so, you know, barring the Steelers O-line looking like a disaster in 2023, Meyer should remain as the O-line coach. And so I don't think Munchak's going to come back to Pittsburgh, but he does want to coach somewhere in the NFL, hopefully next season. Well, I think everybody would be uh, listening to this would be open to a Mike Munchak return in some <laughs> uh, capacity. Uh, here's the here's here here's the disclaimer to that though. If if Munchak becomes uh, part of this coaching staff in 2024, that probably means things on offense didn't go uh, the way uh, most envisioned it would, right? And it would mean probably Pat Meyer uh, being out of the being out of a job yeah which means probably something really really bad happened because for meyer to go from hey he's done a good job to fired in a year probably means disaster happened and i understand like some people said you know can you make him an assistant a consultant replace john mitchell as the assistant head coach give him that title a with the head coach title you know is munchak gonna really get to work with offensive alignment in that way maybe not as much as he would like to obviously and then if you brought munchak in it's kind of a middle finger to Pat Meyer because you're bringing in a Hall of Fame great offensive line coach in Munchak and might be harder for Meyer to really get these guys to focus on him when Munchak's right there. So I don't know if that's a, a fair dynamic to Pat Meyer. Yeah, my my main takeaway and look, I mean, I, if, if Mike Munchak says he wants to uh, continue coaching, uh, there's nothing to 
nothing to to lead me to believe that uh, he's he wouldn't be welcome back in NFL circles. So within that, I would think that assuming he he you know that that remains his goal uh, for 2024, uh, with there being 32 NFL teams, and with we 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 see annually a a a, a good what. Uh, quarter to a third of them uh, go through coaching changes. I have to believe, or, you know, my thought is that Mike Munchak will be coaching an offensive line somewhere in 2024. And once again, if it is in Pittsburgh, it's probably because things did not go well at all in 2023. Right. But he should be somewhere if he wants to be next year, which it appears that he does because he's still one of the best offensive line coaches in football. And if he's not coaching in the NFL, then offensive lines across the league are worse off because of it. Right. I would agree. All right, Dave, any other thoughts here or anything else in terms of Pittsburgh? Again, pretty quiet week. Calvin Austin saying he would like, you know, he's open and confident to be a return man in Pittsburgh, not earth-shattering there. Although he didn't do a ton of return stuff at Memphis. A little right. bit on punts, nothing on kicks. He did have one crazy punt return against Mississippi State on kind of a, a wacky play, but I, I assume he's going to be very much in that mix, and kickoffs may matter even less because of the new fair catch kickoff rule. But in terms of punt returner, you know, you got Olszewski, you have Austin, anybody else who might be in that, that competition? Yeah, I was trying to think on the fly last night when I was writing this up about him and all, uh, who, who, who would be in serious contention. You know, obviously Sims is left, left via free agency. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski's time in Pittsburgh is, is probably uh, in, entering its uh, uh, final sta- stages, barring uh, injury. I mean, I mean Gunnar would have to be near flawless. Uh, I guess the uh, 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 couple of the young uh, Bird, right? Right, Jordan Bird. Uh, will, will be in contention uh, to you know, to, to make, to, 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 to have a Stefan Logan type, uh, kind of preseason and, and, and summer as far as that goes. But, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I think you hit on it. It was the big thing is, as you know, even after he was drafted, we were kind of wondering, could Calvin Austin, you know, potentially be the Steelers return man in 2022. Well, then, you know, you get to, uh, into March and or even before that uh, was when they signed Gunnar Olszewski, right? So, right. Uh, but, you know, Calvin entered the NFL, even though he looked good on the few punt returns that he had, uh, he didn't return kickoffs and his, his resume when it comes to punt returns in general, isn't that, you know, big. So he's got a lot to prove, but within all that, I mean, I, you would feel like he's going to be first up, right? Along with Gunner. I mean, it's going to be him and Gunner, at least initially, you would think, competing for it. Yeah, I think so. Let me let me give you the case for Gunnar Olszewski for just a moment. Let's say Calvin Austin does not look comfortable or competent in the return game. Does Gunner make it just because who else are you going to have back there? I mean, you know, if Jordan Bird were to explode and, and have a couple big runbacks, he was going to, he, he will vault himself in the conversation, but if you wanted to make the case for Gunner, I know obviously last year's return guy didn't go well. He got replaced by Steven Sims, but Sims is gone. If if Gunner can show something there and Austin can't, you feel like you almost have to keep Olszewski on there just for that return aspect of it all. I think Gunner has to be dead solid perfect. You know, well, my thought is he had what he mean if he's perfect good, but what if Austin's just that bad? Like, what if it just doesn't go well? He muffs a couple, whatever. I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but what it, it could. And so it may not be where Gunner has to be great. He just has to be not bad. And Austin or who else the competition is may have to struggle. I think this team needs to get past just the not be bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. I mean, look, last year, you know, uh, and look, you know, for for you know, Sims provided a. A, a couple of splash plays last year, right? But even he, over a season's worth of time, probably not not ideal. I mean, this team, when it came to punt returns, as as a team last year, averaged five point nine yards per return, and I think that ranked them what thirtieth in the NFL. Mm. You know, and then when you look at kick return average, uh, once again, I think that was aided by 
you know, one, one or two of them there. Uh, 21.3 yard average was good for only tied for 24th overall uh, in the NFL. We, this, this 2023 Steelers team needs it all over for, for this team to make the playoffs and, and potentially win a playoff game. They're going to need it from all three phases this year. So special teams has got to, got to have their, their, their flag planted in this uh, a lot better than what it's been the last couple of years. So uh, I guess what I'm getting at is if you, if nothing, if, if, if not, not awful is the bar. Well, then you need to go outside the organization and, Fair. and, and go look that way. That That is a really good point to think about in terms of what this team could add less so likely on a trade, but in terms of cut down a potential return guy. And the good news with Austin is that although he hasn't done kicks, I think a, he can, he's, he's got the skill set to do it. And right. it's going to matter less because you're going to get a lot of those fair catches this year. He's done some punts and punt returners are still going to be, you know, pretty valuable overall. But yeah, I mean, I, I would think right now it's Austin versus Olszewski versus a bit of bird. McFarland can do kicks, not punts. That's not going to be enough value for McFarland to stick. So I, you really hope that Austin can be the guy because if not, it's going to create some awkwardness when constructing your roster. I'll leave it at this. The best looking ugly girl is not going to cut it. Well, speak for yourself over there, Dave, because my <laughs> philosophy is a little bit different than yours, I guess. Anyway, um, yeah, anything else here, Dave? I forgot to mention just one thing with um, with, with Trest. Uh, he went to high school with Braden Mann, the Steelers punter, claimed off okay. of waivers. They were high school teammates, but that's a very random, pretty much irrelevant fact. Any other Steelers-related stuff? TJ Watts heard good things about Marcus Golden. That's always good, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, he played with uh, uh, Golden, played with uh, obviously his brother JJ Watt, and you'd have to think those two have shake uh, shook hands uh, somewhere within there, right? You know, probably. And, yeah. and you know, they they all could probably learn. You know, having a veteran in there uh, like Golden, like we talked about the other day, that's 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 been around the league. Uh, I think everybody can learn from everybody uh, still at this point, and uh, especially a little bit younger guy and Alex Highsmith, who's who has matured as a pass rusher. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, I think all three of those guys, once again, if they stay healthy, I think you have a nice little rotation over there. So uh, assuming Golden, like you said, uh, comes in not thinking that he's going to be able to compete for the starting job and knows his role, role uh, uh, and, and if all three of them can stay healthy, uh, this this looks a lot better than it did a week ago. It does. It does. One last uh, fun note here. Najee Harris had a good weekend. He was out there in the Bay uh, throwing out the first pitch for an Oakland Athletics game. Seemed kind of the, 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 the star of the night for the team, which is good because the team is terrible and they are moving to your neck of the woods, Las Vegas, in the next couple of years. So Najee Harris, always a crowd pleaser. Boy, this this town has become a, a sports juggernaut now you know and uh, mm-hmm. uh got the a's it's going to be interesting uh, just a little bit of filler real quick here but you know they uh they built a new stadium a couple of years ago uh out here in Summerlin uh for the uh what do they call them the aviators uh and moved them from that old stadium that they had back when they were the the the, the Dodgers affiliate the uh 51s and that stadium now, I think, is only three or four years old at this point for the and, you know, the the uh, they are a the triple A affiliate of the athletics right now. Mm. So it's going to make it kind of inter- interesting. And obviously, too, if the A's were to make the move uh, uh, after this, I, I guess would be next season, I think, or two seasons. Anyway, they would still be building the new stadium and all, and all. So they would have to play in uh, the aviators minor league stadium until the other one is finished. I, I just wonder how we, 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 we here in Las Vegas kind of wonder how that all would work. Would they still keep the triple eight? In other words, have the triple eight right. team still in the same town as the major league team. And would they just work around the home and away uh, right. s- schedule or would they lose the triple eight team to, I don't know, somewhere in Arizona or something like that. And then what would happen to that 
new stadium for the minor league team after once the athletics leave right yeah. right so that i i guess that's some of the questions that go along with that but that's not even steelers or podcast related but i just thought being as how i live out here some people might like to know it no it's interesting because i know that this situation with the A's has gotten a lot of attention and ownership seems to be a wreck. And I know the fans have kind of boycotted and the A's have won what 10 games this year. I mean, it's getting bad in Pittsburgh as Pirates fans with the slide, the Pirates are on, but the A's are just, you know, just incredibly depressing. But I think at least for Najee Harris, making it fun for, for one evening for however many fans attended. And it did look like he had some fun doing it too. So uh, uh, good, good on him. Good kid. All right, Dave, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right, let's see. I don't know if we have uh, too many in here on this holiday weekend. Let me see if I can. And again, just a reminder, Dave and I live stream tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern time for maybe a little less than our usual hour, depending on turnout. But we'll be there to hang out with you guys on this Monday. All right. uh, Murray from Brisbane writes in, good day. Dave and Alex, uh, cheers to you guys and the team for providing the deepest Steelers analysis available. A recent chat about Kenny's new helmet and concussions got me thinking and comparing to rugby, uh, rugby union and league rugby league here in Australia where no helmets are worn. Uh, He says, I believe concussions stats are significantly lower in both league and union. Would the NFL ever consider no helmets? Uh, He says also league state of origin, uh, Queensland versus New South Wales. First game is on Wednesday night here, uh, Tuesday for you guys, which is always an absolutely epic battle. Will you guys watch? Uh, Keep up the true blue fair dinkum work. You guys are bloody legends. Uh, Go go the cane toads in Queensland. Well, uh, first and foremost, it's always exciting to get emails, uh, not only from, from listenership, but from those that far away, uh, and all uh, in Australia there. So mm-hmm. no, I'm not, I'm not up on my rugby at all. Uh, it is interesting that you state that concussion stats are significantly lower in both those leagues. Uh, no, I do not believe this, uh, uh, the NFL would ever consider going the no helmet route. Uh, but I, you know, I do find myself wondering from time to time when these stats, and I said this the other day is, man, I, I, I kind of envision, uh, helmets being a lot more safer than they are now. Yeah. To answer all those questions, I won't be watching the, the, uh, the rugby match. I've, I've watched a couple over the years and they're, they're pretty interesting to see, but I probably won't be catching that one. I mean, I, I have an appreciation for the sport because a primarily football, American football comes from rugby. It was born in, in Canada or not, I don't know if rugby was born in Canada, but they were playing uh, rugby in Canada and that kind of trickled down to the Northeast New England area. And that kind of eventually morphed into what we know as American football today. So that's, that's kind of the, the roots of the, the American football game. Um, yeah. The NFL is never going to ditch helmets. I mean, you know, there was a time way back when in the thirties and forties where helmets weren't mandated. I believe the story has kind of been in dispute. I believe the last player to not wear a helmet was a Steeler for a brief moment. He was uh, more famously a Chicago Bears. His name was Eggs Mansky. And there's kind of some debate about who was the last guy to not wear a helmet and get grandfathered in. But I know Eggs Mansky was one of those uh, last guys. But, you know, I don't know all the data. I've heard some of that stuff about, you know, obviously, if you don't have helmets, guys are going to be a little less reckless, more protective. But the NFL is never going to ditch that for optics alone. And, you know, if somebody does get hurt without a helmet, it's going to create this whole PR issue that the NFL is never, ever going to go down. Right, right. Uh, Murray, thanks for the email there. I hope you're doing well over there. Uh, And Alex, I think that on this short week here and holiday week, I think that's all we have in the email machine this week. All right. So we'll come back Wednesday. Should have more to talk about Wednesday, Steelers OTAs, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. And so we'll come back and see if there is a number 90. Maybe it's Ortiz, the long snapper, maybe somebody else. And We'll recap it all for you guys. Uh, as we wind up this show too, let everybody uh, uh, know that we've, you know, for the time being, we have moved the podcast away from Spreaker to Spotify. Obviously, Spotify is a uh, 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 globally accept, accepted huge 
uh, platform. We we like some features that they uh, are offering. We're going to uh, give this kind of a test run uh, on Spotify uh, for 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 right now. Now, listen, anywhere that you you know, if you don't go to Spotify to to listen to the podcast specifically, you should still be able to find it on whatever platform uh, that you use. Uh, none of that's going to change. However, comma if you have been going to Spreaker specifically uh, to listen to the podcast, you're not going to be able to do that, uh, at least for the time being. We're not opposed to moving it back to Spreaker if, if things don't go the way that we we hope that they'll go on Spotify here. But I just want to give everybody a heads up. And it would be helpful if you went to Spotify. I know a lot of you listen directly on Spotify because you listen to a lot of podcasts there and, and music and all like that. So uh, in the meantime, you know, if you want to go to Spotify specifically and start listening to the podcast, fine. We we encourage you to do so. However, you know, I think the biggest thing, if you're a listener, uh, the only thing that you'll see change is if you have been going to Spreaker specifically to listen to the podcast. I don't think you're going to be able uh, to do that, uh, at least for 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 the, for the time being here. So I just want to give everybody a heads up. You know, the, the Spotify has got some interesting options that we're looking into. Uh, to maybe start adding and all. So anyway, just wanted to give everybody a heads up on that. So uh, as we close out the show, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Cedars Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, cedarsdepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, go to cedarsdepot.com. Hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. So uh, until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.